Hello and welcome to The Alternative Path with me, David Robson. This, in this episode, I've got a lady who I first came across on LinkedIn, I think it was. Uh, I've been on a couple of her, she's, she's put together some talks during the week with guests that have just been, been brilliant, if I'm honest. Her name is Hannah, Hannah Simnett. So Hannah is the founder of Cherished in Birmingham. Hannah, great to have you on the show. Obviously, I know a bit about Cherished, but it'd be great for you to give us a bit of an intro to who you are and what Cherished is about. Yeah, thanks, David, for having me. Um, so I set up Cherished uh, 10 years ago. I was 18 when I set Cherished up. Um, so everything that Cherished is that I will share is based on sort of my lived experiences and stuff that I went through as a little girl um, and how that sort of made me, brought me to a place of wanting to create something for girls. So Cherished is an organisation set up for girls um, girls age four to 17. Um, and originally it was in Birmingham. Um, girls that need somebody to listen to them, to spend time with them, uh, to not judge them and to just be there because, you know, we've got a massive crisis with mental health. We've got lots of children that have been through trauma and Cherished was set up to support those girls that needed um, just another woman to believe in her and be there for her. Um, so I suppose if I take it back to the very beginning, throughout my childhood and teenage years, um, I'd experienced difficulty within my personal home life. So if we're talking about ACEs, um, I've got six of them. So I'm no stranger to trauma. I'm no stranger to going through difficulties that a lot of our young people will go through, whether that's living in a home which was scary, whether that's being bullied at school, struggling with self-esteem. Um, and then in my sort of later teenage years, experienced uh, grooming. So it was a very sort of colourful childhood, experiencing quite a few lows. And then I got to the age of 18 and the plan was to train to be a teacher. Uh, I wanted to be a teacher. I wanted to work in schools, not because I was necessarily bothered about the academic side of it. I just loved the children. And my hope was that I could be something to those children that I didn't have. Uh, so I was in a uni lecture, I was studying um, a degree in working with children and families. And I thought to myself, do you know what, I don't want to work for anybody. And I'm not particularly passionate about the subject. So why don't I just create something myself? So within that moment, I remember in the lecture, I get out my notebook and I just write down all the things that I would like to maybe bring to the world that would have meant a lot to me as a child or a teenager. And they were things like, you know, having someone to talk to when you feel lonely, having somebody to share stuff with that won't judge you, having someone um, help you talk through friendships when they get tough. How do I, um, what strategies can I use when I need to calm down? So it was just loads of things that I wrote in this notebook. And then I thought, okay, so I know I want it to be for girls, but how do I want girls to feel if I do some work with them? And that's when the word cherished came to be because I wanted every interaction with a girl that I had to leave them feeling cherished. So carried on doing my degree, but at the same time as doing my degree, that's when Cherished was launched. So I created something called the Cherished course, which was an eight week course looking at, you know, self-esteem, aspirations, emotional literacy. And remember 18, all my friends were going out getting drunk and having a ball. I'm there every night, sat on my bed writing a course. I'd never done this before. I had no 
clue of how to do it. The only thing driving me was my passion and this desire to be to somebody what I didn't have. Um, so I created a sort of programme and I took it to a local secondary school in Birmingham. And this secondary school uh, is in a place called Castlevale, challenging area. And I went to the deputy head, look, I'm Hannah, I'm local. I've just created something that I'd quite like to share with you girls. Um, would you be interested? And uh, she looked at me and she went, hey, let's see what you've done then. So I showed her, she went, okay, yeah, we could try it with some of our girls. I said, okay, well, I'd quite like your most vulnerable if possible, please. And your most challenging with behavior. And she looked at me and she went, no way. I went, why? She went, we're going to have to have a, one of our security cards on the door if we do that because the girls are so challenging. I went, no. I went, give me a week. Let's see how we get on. So I'm 18, going into a school where the girls are 14. Okay, so there's four years between us. And I rock up to this school absolutely petrified because, like, who am I? I'm still doing my degree. All I've got is a bit of passion. Walking. You've got this group of girls looking me up and down, sucking their teeth at me. Who are you? You're a social worker. You're a police officer. You anger management. Who are you? Why are you here? Bet, bet you get paid for what you do. All that. Mm -hmm. I went, no, actually, I'm not. I'm Hannah. I live around the corner. Created something for you. I want to see if you like it. That week was absolutely life-changing because they saw me as just a normal human being wanting to sit and connect with them and get to know them. So to move forward a little bit, that was my first school. I started the Cherish course with this group of girls. These group of girls were at risk of exclusion. Every single one of them had been abused. Every single one of them's dad was either in prison or dead. All of them had walked around the school fighting, being violent, at risk of CSE. You name it, they were in that room. Did school know about all of that? No. How did I know about all that? because I built a connection and they started to share their story with me. So I do this course and the teacher comes to me and goes, what have you been doing with these girls? Like, what is it? I went, well, I just spent time with them on the level, getting to know them uh, and, and caring about them. Oh, wow, well, it's working. I said, okay, well, eight weeks ain't long enough for a kid that's been through trauma. And at the time, I didn't know what trauma was really. Just, just knew that something wasn't right. So... I said, right, what I need you now to do is let me mentor these, these girls. No, sorry, we, we can't. We can't take them out of class. It doesn't fit in with the timetable. All stuff that wasn't really that helpful. So I said, okay, well, if you won't let me mentor them in school, can I phone the moms and ask them if I can mentor them out of school? So they went, oh, if you want. So I phoned the moms. This was 10 years ago. I phoned the moms. Said, hello, mom. Can I take your daughter out for a Starbucks once a week? Yes, you can have a taker. So every week, I would take all of these girls for a Starbucks once a week for two years. I had no money at this time, no funding. I was still living at home. I was using my pocket money to pay for the Starbuckses. And what I started to notice was mentoring works. They just need that one person to sit and connect with them and get to know them. So fast forwarding on, it's gone from me having this dream of wanting to start Cherished to going to a school and being brave and asking, to saying, oh, okay, this works, because actually I was being everything that I knew girls needed. It's not complicated. Kindness, compassion, connection. 
And then primary schools were getting in touch, going, Hannah, we've heard that you've done something in Castlevale. Would you create a course and a programme for primary? It's like, yeah, I can do that. So I did that. And then I was like, okay, my first year, I'm running around 21 schools a week by myself. I can't do this. So I then started recruiting mentors and they were volunteers. And what I started to notice was this was working. Women wanted to get on board because they wanted to make a difference. But we needed some funding. We needed people to get behind us because it was little old me with a few volunteers. I wasn't paid for four years because I was just sort of grafting and trying to make it work. And then after four years, we hit, hit lucky with the National Lottery and they believed in us and they said, yeah, we want, we want to expand this. So moving forward, sort of 10 years, we, um, we've now grown. We're not massive, but we've grown. We've got 10 paid staff. We've got about 170 mentors. And these 170 mentors work across the whole of Birmingham. We're in over 60 schools supporting girls who have experienced trauma. Now, when I talk about trauma, back then I didn't know what it was, but actually I'd been through a lot of it. So when you've been through a lot of something, you then can sort of empathise and understand because you've, you've walked that path in a similar way. So West Midlands Police started to look at what we were doing and they said, you know what, we really like how you treat people. We really like your approach to how you support the girls and we're really seeing a difference. Would you consider um, writing some training for us on trauma? And I was like, yeah, I can do. I can do something. Like, I'll put something together for you. This was the superintendent at the time, so I'm a bit nervous. So I write this training package all about ACEs, adverse childhood experiences, and I bring in the neuroscience and I'm bringing in the actual practical application. Okay, that's the important thing. We're throwing this word trauma around, but it's actually how do we do it in real life? How do we support people in real life? So wrote this training and took it to her and she went, fantastic. So how do you feel about delivering this to the whole force? So I was like, oh, Kim, okay. Oh, bloody hell. Yeah, all right. You know, when like, you're trying to come across calm, but really you're absolutely <laughs> flapping it. So I was flapping it like you've never seen. Fortunately then, that training went out to every response officer and every PCSO officer in the whole of West Midlands Police. And I trained them for a good few months. I think I trained over 3,000 officers. So that's when the trauma side started to flourish. And I'm very, very passionate about it because where our kids are, they're there at school six hours a day. 67% of your average classroom have experienced one trauma or more, meaning that classrooms are full of wounded children. Now, if they're full of wounded children, we need to make sure that we're doing things that help heal and not harm. So that's why the training that I provided then started going to schools, social workers, probation, head teachers, prison, looking at how on earth do we go from just using the word trauma informed and that little buzzword that it is now to actually being trauma responsive. So every interaction I have with my children shows them that I love them, I care about them and that I'm here for them. Forget your pressure from Ofsted for a second, forget all that. This is about hearts and minds. So we need, if we're working with them, we've got that privilege, we need to make sure we're doing it well. So that's when Cherish sort of went to the next level of focusing very much on training our mentors. I wrote an accredited mentoring programme, focusing on 
mentoring children who have been through trauma. So that that is what we do. So then, um, David, over the past 10 years, people said to me, well, Hannah, why are you only working with girls? Mm. I I don't want to work with boys. Yeah, but boys need it as well. And I was like, yeah, that's true. But I don't really think I'm the right person. Like, there's men out there. Get the men to do it. Get them to step up and sort it out because we've got a (laughs) crisis of a lack of male role models. And then three years ago, I had a little boy. Able and um, he's amazing. And at eight months old, his dad left us. So his dad walks out, and I'm left with this tiny eight month old baby, marriage broken down at 28. And I'm like, what? I never imagined this for my life. And that now means that my little boy doesn't have a male role model in his life. And someone said to me, Well, you're going to consider doing the boy stuff. I'm like, Absolutely. And the reason I share a little bit of that personal stuff for me is because I'm very much a believer in using your pain for purpose. And actually, we've all gone through stuff in our lives that it can either drive us or define us or drive us. And for me, it's okay. I've been placed with this experience. What now can I do to make a positive impact from the work in the world? So I put out on social media, I'm going to be launching the boys' side of Cherished. I'm not calling it Cherished. I'm calling it RAW. And it stands for Relationships, Opportunities, Aspirations and Resilience. Who wants to get involved? And I was inundated with blokes who said, me, I want to get involved. Because either I didn't have a dad, I don't know the impact it's had on my life, or I had a great dad, and I can't imagine my life without my dad. So before lockdown, we launched more. We've trained over lockdown 20 men, all different ages, all different backgrounds, religions, cultures, you name it. I've got a team of a brilliant spectrum of men. And Raw is to support little boys who need that male role model. Now, as you can imagine, we've been inundated with referrals for boys. And the, and the, 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 the ironic thing is, David, every boy that's been referred to us without us even putting anything out there, hasn't got a dad. Every single one of them. And it's like, oh my goodness, there is such a need. And every single one of those is at risk of getting involved in crime, criminal exploitation or exclusion from school. So without intentionally orchestrating anything, it's shown us the need and it's shown that actually this is needed. So we we are continuing to mentor we mentor boys and we mentor girls and we encourage people that have got lived experience to get involved in what we do um so about 87 percent of our team have all got lived experience including myself and the reason i have that is because when you've been through stuff you see things through another lens and when you're sat in front of a child who's in pain you've been through pain as well so you know that actually if you want a child to learn and thrive in school, if you, <clears throat> sorry, want them to be the best they can be, they need to know that there's someone in that school that loves them. Because if there's not, the chaos will just continue. So that's sort of like a little brief journey from me being 18 to sort of where we are now and who we are and what we do. Obviously, you know, we do mentoring, but we develop programs for schools about kindness we've developed school, uh, programs for schools about mental health and I actually get my team to write them I get my team to write the programs the people with lived experience because they they, they know best so 
So that's sort of the journey, David. I think uh, it's, I, I just absorbed, absorbed in the journey, if I'm honest, just <laughs> like um, something I know we, we spoke about before we obviously recorded and, you know, it's clear from the first, the first couple of minutes of you, of you talking, you know, your own experience, like the power of using your own experiences to then create something that's like and th- create something that's amazing and the amount of the amount of lives that you've that cherished as a as a group has has had a has a, had an impact on must be must be massive and ultimately that's that's down to your your initial experiences of of trauma to create cherished and if if you know if that hadn't have been cherished might not have been born i think that's it always fascinates me um people's whys and i think the more people I speak to, the more people who are in an educate in the education sector who have a why. Some people aren't quite ready to sort of mm. open up about their why. Some people have no problems opening up about their why. And I think it's such a powerful thing. And I think, you know, I think one of the most one of the most dangerous things about any human being, in my opinion, is is not is not being open to somebody else might be able to do something better than us and from Mm. an education point of view I think Mm. and I I said at the beginning I never want the podcast to be uh, a kind of negative spin towards anything but what I'm trying to say is I think there's so much need for extra support within education to Mm. help young people who have been through a number of things and sometimes it doesn't have to be the most traumatic experience does it some people maybe think that to have an effect on a young person it has to be this really you know a really far incident or tra- trauma mm, it doesn't mm, does it? Yeah. it can be the the smallest comment the smallest mm. little the, the, the tiniest little statement by a, a, an adult of inner school, out of school, a family member, a friend, and it, it can have a massive, massive impact. So I think like the power of, of people in education settings or even in government, let's go, let's go to government, oh, yeah. in, in yeah. government to accept that sometimes the best educator in the world is not the best person to get certain parts of mm. to do certain things with with young people in terms of helping them on their, mm. their journey mm. so I think that the need for what Cherish does like like you know before COVID was was through the roof I think mm. the need for things like Cherish post-COVID is 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 going to be going to be mega isn't it and I, I do mm. um I think you know COVID has created some really sad stuff sad things and people have been through some real losses but it's also created a lot of new networks it's also created a lot more openness by people in different positions across the country chatting to people like I've I've said to you before I think you know I've spoken to three or four people now from from Birmingham on the podcast and that never would have happened yeah it's great and it's it's brilliant I think we all need to need to embrace it and like mm. someone put a post on social media somewhere a little while ago about everyone's desperate to get back to life of normality whatever that was but let's remember the things that we can leave behind and now move forward to a, 
a kind of post-COVID that's like people have more time for each other because everyone's been in such a rat race for such a long time that you know we don't need to be do we in, in my opinion right can, that's right we can give give things back to each other so like yeah touching back onto your 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 story and your why I think it's I think it's incredible I think what you you should like what you've created you I know when you're you're in it you probably sometimes dare I say it, you don't step back sometimes and think wow mm. what we've what we've created here is 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 mega i mean like by the number of by the number of mentors you've got you know the the lives that you're making a difference on is 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 huge so like credit credit to you something else i wanted to talk about hannah i know we spoke about before um obviously you you work in a lot of schools you go into i'm sure lots of different schools Mm. from secondary to primary what's your what's your kind of vision what's the kind of like long-term goal in terms of like cherished or raw in terms of education wise and any more little kind of things on the horizon you want to create or anything you would you would really love schools to mm-hmm. open their arms to you doing that you don't already do if that makes sense you said the word little but actually this isn't going to be little what <laughs> so, um we work in lots of schools and we work with lots of fantastic teachers and head teachers who really are there because they love the children and young people and they are there because they want to see them flourish and thrive in an education system in an education aspect but also as people and that's that's the most important thing and I suppose I'm very dissatisfied with the education system and that's not the teacher's fault that's the 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 powers that be and I'm very dissatisfied with what our focuses are on. And um, it's very archaic, all the way down to, you know, how we discipline a child. Um, and when I walk around the school and I, I get to, you know, read all about the girls and boys that we support and then look at how they've been treated because of their wound and their trauma, it breaks my heart. And there's been many times, which is it's just brought me to tears, where I've seen that, you know, a child may be in care or a parent has died or they've been abused or they've been, you know, neglected as little boys and little girls as babies. And then they're, they're left with all this trauma and they don't know how to unpack it. And they're in pain. And pain then comes out in different ways they behave. And actually, a large proportion of our kids that are in pain are being greeted with exclusion managed moves, detentions, shouting, name on the board and isolation blocks. And they're in all the schools that we work with, you know, schools are spending thousands of pounds on isolation blocks, but struggling to find the money for mentoring and mental health provision. And actually we know now that that stuff doesn't work if a child's in pain and struggling. And um, so back to sort of what the vision and dream is, I'm dissatisfied with how overall we're treating young people and children. I think we need a kinder approach. I think we need an approach where in teacher training, we have trauma training. There's no trauma training. There's no ACE training. There's nothing like that really in teacher training, apart from those archaic punitive behavioral approaches, which which, which aren't helping um, a child's heart and mind. So my dream is to, um, over the next few years, create a school. Um, and a school where we focus on connection and where connection really counts and where we do 
things differently. And there's so many people doing that across the country and they're doing amazing things. And I suppose um, I'm looking at them to learn from them as well because I want to do it over in Birmingham. Um, I want to create a space where children that feel that they can't do school because of attachment needs or trauma come into an environment where their needs are cared for but where we have a different curriculum, which is a character curriculum, which looks at building their character and looks at making them feel safe. And isn't necessarily about, you know, getting your A stars. It's about getting through the day well. Um, so I don't know how it's going to work, David, um, but I put it out there and I believe it will happen. And I've got an amazing team who are all really excited about this vision I've got. Um, but it's a journey. Yeah. I think, like you say, that there are some amazing amazing people out there doing some amazing mm. things with 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 different types of education settings and something I I'll be honest with you, I've, so I've even from before so one of the things that I've really learned since doing this podcast and I think it was mm. talking to Julie Norman who you mentioned mm. earlier that schools actually have a lot more flexibility around the curriculum right. than I, I ever realized I thought it was like right set in stone this is what you do but actually it's it's not um but right. i think to be fair to senior leaders and and in particular and staff like i think you touched on and you were you were kind of alluding to they're they're so they're so judged on league tables performance mm. and it, it just it's it's it, it creates a negative a negative thing doesn't it and it 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 doesn't help to build an inclusive environment in in general. And what what you like what you said a minute ago as well that really frustrates me. And to me, it just seems like common sense. Like you said, mm. they they spend so much money on um, exclusions and isolations mm. and what have you, but they haven't got money. The government haven't got money for mentoring. Like it's mm. it's mm. it's it, it's just common sense. It's like if you have a car. You service the car to prevent it breaking down so they cost you thousands. Whereas for some reason, we don't do that. We wait till things break and then they chuck money at it. Actually, just like, and it, to, again, I know there's like so much politics involved in it, but mm -hmm. it's just common sense, isn't it? Like, Absolutely. Spend more money. Early intervention is very important. And I, I go to some schools and unfortunately some schools do have the money for it, but choose to spend it differently. And then we'll say, Hannah, can you come in and turn this child around in six weeks? You haven't got a blooming chance. If a child's grown up from being a baby in just absolute chaos and, you know, dysfunction, there's no way on earth six weeks is going to turn someone's life around. What all children need is that consistent, kind adult who is there for them. And, you know, you're going to have to realise that it takes time and it takes investment if you want the best out of your children. So it's important to mention that the parents need support as well mm. um, because we work with a lot of families where the girls have been through trauma, but that's because the parents have been through trauma. And it's that intergenerational thing of the family needing that holistic support, especially with lockdown. You know, you've got parents that might have lost their jobs, been furloughed, have you know, dealing with loads of kids in the house, homeschooling. It, it's been very hard for them as well. And, you know, I think I read something this week from the education secretary that made me just scream at the computer, I talking think, yeah. about how the children need to come back, sit and face the front and da 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 da, da. Mm -hmm. 
And actually, you know, this is about welcoming them back because they've been through a really challenging time, a lot of them. And school needs to be that safe space. Um, and I, I'm glad that we're going to be going in sort of next week and getting back in thicker things because we're, we're desperately needed. Yeah, I, I remember the post that you're talking about. Yeah. I, I think I, I put, a, I, you know, I've, I've been really trying recently to really get involved in positive conversations on social media platforms. And I've been trying to cut, but I, I did comment on that one because it, it's just like, it's, yeah. like, it's almost barbaric, like it's in, in, in some of the some of the statements he made. And, you know, if in some of the schools we work with, if if day one, you've got a teacher standing at the front of the classroom again, going, right, let's get on to like chemistry. Oh, Where's the empathy? Oh, like, Where's the understanding? Where's the sort of, um, I'm so pleased to see you. This has been a difficult time. Let's all just reconnect a second. Mm-hmm. You know, the heart's gone. And they're wanting the grades, they're wanting the figures, and actually we're forgetting that they're human beings. And and also, I think I noticed a post this morning about, you know, after I, I, I'm, I want to put something out there later on today about kind of almost like from a personal point of view, like I feel like mm. getting through homeschooling has, has been a challenge from a family point of view, but also yeah. recognise it's been tough for the children. But yeah, it's, it's great they're going back to the schools, but people also need to remember that there will be an absolute abundance of children who are terrified to go back to school mm-hmm. on Monday. As, as there will be with teachers, there will be some teachers that are absolutely terrified to have full classes of, of, of pupils again, you know, like it's, 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 it's a Leave massive, left. massive change, isn't it? Um, I've had an absolute pleasure in, in chatting to you and some of the stuff that I've, I've kind of watched on Facebook has been been great before we finish up is there anything you want to kind of if anyone's listening what's the wants to know a bit more final info about you cherished or anything else anything you want to add yeah so we've got this new Facebook group that we started at the beginning of lockdown and it's called connection counts Hannah Simnett and it's for people that just care about children and the power of connection uh, so join it and then we just put lots of um training in free interviews uh, activity all sorts of stuff um and then obviously if schools are listening they think wow we'd love cherished in our school or raw in our school then we can we can have a conversation um and just type in cherishuk.org and everything's on there brilliant hannah thanks for coming on it's been an absolute pleasure talking to you um i hope things carry on going well and thank you for having me my pleasure cheers hannah Oh, 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 oh,